Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, part of the Optimism Vaccine Podcast Network. This is the podcast where every episode, Adam Myros and I try to find a film streaming on the internet from one of the many streaming services that is as bad as a movie can get. And that's basically it. We are competing to torture each other. We are trying to outdo one another with the biggest, stinkiest, shit pile films we can possibly find. And thankfully, I feel like the streaming services have been good to us, haven't they, Myros? They have. Uh, we haven't had to resort to something anyone's ever heard of yet. So. No, no. And that's the other thing, too. We're not going with your standard bad movies here. We're trying to go above and beyond because... I don't know if you're if you're not familiar with this podcast or the world of Amazon streaming in particular, but you can put literally anything on Amazon, and rest assured, people have. So we're trying to find the worst of the worst to create the best content, because we're all about that hashtag tent. Right, Myros? Uh, that's what we're about, that tent. But <laughs> I, I, sometimes I wonder if, if this is the best way to produce quality content. I, I'm kind of wondering about that myself, too. And at what point does my mental well-being come into question when we're creating content? Well, uh, I'm willing to sacrifice my sanity. It's just uh, at times like this, in this dark hour, uh, you wonder how you're going to milk an hour out of <laughs> just <laughs> out of, out of what we've watched. nothing <laughs> that we have consumed this week. Yeah, it, it's been an interesting week. And on top of that, too, this is a first for me. Uh, first time I've actually become physically ill, like motion sick, watching a movie. So <laughs> that's a big one for me. Uh, put that one on the board. It's pretty exciting. Now, it's not the Wild West out here, Myros. While some of the filmmakers and films that we've watched, they don't care about rules. and They just got to go about doing their own thing. We're professionals, damn it. So we have rules. And what are those rules? Uh, let's see. What do we got? No found footage. Uh, it, it can't be a film either of us have ever seen. Sure. Uh, we are only allowed access to the materials provided by the streaming service. We can't go researching any of these things. Yeah. Uh, what else? We have, uh, our Godfrey Ho rule, which is to say, uh, well, A, no Godfrey Ho films, and B, uh, no repeated films from a director. Uh, exactly. we gotta stand on one here. Also, and I noticed we, we've discussed a potential rule where we put a soft ban on films made in Atlanta, seeing as how that seems to be a, a real hotbed for trash films so far on the podcast. We're exploring this as a rule, though. It's, it's, not, you know, it's not a hard and fast thing. It's got to go through committees. There's a voting process. It's, it's very involved. Yeah, Atlanta is on thin ice. We'll say that. <laughs> I think that about covers it, right? I think that's everything. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll jump right into it. And I, I want to lead with my movie just because I think there's a little bit more meat on the bone here, believe it or not, even though these are relatively meat-free films. And this week, I chose a movie because I thought it would be a fun little send-up of the Da Vinci Code, but with more butts based on the name and the movie poster provided 
So I chose Cesar Alejandro's Da Pinci Code for you. Uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, Myros, what what is Da Pinci Code about? Uh, well, let me provide you with the Amazon description. Uh, it is find the code, rule the barrio. Oh, is that it? Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. It, it clears things up for me. I mean, I was wondering what the fuck the Da Pinci Code even was. or I mean, not the film, but yes, the film, but also yeah. the actual the, the titular the, uh, Da Pinci Code. Exactly, that, that titular code. And, you know, on IMDb, they actually have a, a little bit more robust a summary here. Uh, it says, there's a code in the murals, and whoever finds it will rule the barrio. And to be a Hispanic independent producer is a tragic comedy. <laughs> That's all one <laughs> sentence. Uh, and then it says a mafioso down on his luck, a director with a passion, and a young man trying to find his true identity all collide in this hilarious comedy. Uh, I don't. Is there even a mural in this film? That's a legitimate question. <laughs> that's a, that's a great question. I feel like there is. Although I could be wrong. If if there is a mural or two, they're certainly relegated to the background and they're never discussed or addressed. I guess a follow-up question to that would be, does anyone in this film actively look for or analyze any murals? I, I may be led to believe that the the uh, the Native American chief fellow is being employed for his code-breaking uh, Prowess, I, I, I think that's what's going on in that section of the film. I don't, I don't recall murals. He's just kind of like on a concrete floor snorting cocaine. But I, I think, I think that's where the title comes from. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess so. Maybe it's hard to wrap your head around this one. And I guess before we get into the, the plot, heavy finger quotes around plot. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's there shouldn't be. There's just like so much plot. That's the <laughs> this problem. is all of the plot, all of it. There's just so much plot going on. You know, th this movie I enjoyed, and it, it really meant a lot to me when this happened because I know this is something in particular that drives you insane. But what did you think of that? Those opening credits with the Star Wars crawl. Oh God. You love a good Star Wars crawl, don't you? Yeah, then we like went right into a bad Scarface. It's just everything is wrong. I can't even <laughs> like the. <laughs> Rarely do I ask our our listeners to brave any of this material, but uh, I I would suggest that you head to your Amazon Prime account and and just hit play on this. I mean, for God's sakes, don't watch the entire film. You won't yeah. get far, but just just press play. And yeah. give it a couple minutes and, and see what the fuck is happening. I, uh, I'd say like the Iron Man challenge for this one would be 15 minutes. If you can do 15 minutes of Da Pinci Code, you actually get a uh, like a medal and a, and a signed letter from the president, and you know, and, and people start seeing you in public and saying, you know, "Thank you for your service" and all that stuff. So I, I'd recommend a solid 15 minutes tops. After that. We get into some issues of like torture and the Geneva Convention, and you know we don't want to be liable for anything, so we can't really recommend anything past that. Uh, but yeah, so it's just oddly I enough, can, I can barely describe like what what occurs here. It's just there, there's footage 
and it is edited together. I don't know by who or, or to what end. It's it's total madness. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the editor of this movie should be tried at the Hague for yeah. war crimes. I I can't. And you know, I mentioned the Star Wars opening crawls a little jab at you, but honestly, that's one of the least offensive things in this movie. It is beyond incomprehensible, and and a big part of that is one. The editing is bar none, and I'm talking by a country mile, even compared to everything else that we have watched, including my number one all-time worst movie, thanks to this podcast, uh, The Spy Who Boned Us, okay? The editing is infinitely worse. So bad. I cannot even, like, there there is so much going on here that's wrong. In a scene that lasts, say, 10 seconds, there's probably like 12 or 13 cuts, maybe more. It's, ju- it's like hyperactive editing. And there the, will be like random fourth wall breaking uh, subtitles on the bottom of the screen that, that don't uh, stay on the screen long enough to read them for the most part. But they just keep popping up at random and it's mm-hmm. just the whole thing. And, and – <laughs> Well, the subtitles, uh, too, That's it's a gimmick that they only use for maybe the first 30 minutes of the movie. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and they have two things going on at once with the subtitles. So you got the movie going on, and there's edits jumping all over the place and literally jumping in between characters for inconsequential things. Uh, it's, like, it's like cuts for the sake of cuts. And then, you know, cross the 180-degree line, cross it again. We're over here, we're over there, just jumping around. It, it is actually nauseating i felt physically ill watching this movie and then you've got these two sets of subtitles so the first is from the director with kind of like some running commentary again this is something that we saw in the spy who boned us and that's one thing but then there's different colored uh, subtitles from i guess the editor and those are separate, so those are sort of in dialogue with each other as this movie jumps around. On top of that, there are about three or four uh, different narrative threads that eventually sort of converge. But with those four narrative threads, there's also... what. <laughs> One of the narrative threads is there's a movie being made inside this movie. And then there's also, I, I, I don't want to call it a narrative thread because it's sort of like a meta thing that isn't really addressed by any of the characters. So I think we're led to believe that like they can't see them there. But there's like a documentary film crew that's following around the film crew making a fiction film in the movie. And God, then I don't they even think stop I the movie. That layer out of the thing. I, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah. And then they stop the movie and just like interject with weird green screen, mustachioed cowboy nonsense that that barely makes any sense. So ah, yes, like, that is the director uh, himself playing a director who is just oh, coming yeah. in to say absurdist things because this is a meta film. That's, that's something so, you should try and pull off with, with zero dollars and zero skill. Yeah, so there's the narrative itself, which makes no sense, and has 
multiple converging narratives within that, and then the movie being made within the movie that also intersects with some of these narratives, and then a documentary being made about the movie that's inside of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we got. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. And uh, and the meta element is used in this fucking hack-ass way where it's like trying to recuse the film for being dog shit. Uh, it's it's like a knowing wink every few seconds. So from, oh, well, we know this is terrible. Uh, I, as editor, am trying to fix this. Uh, one problem being that there's not like an independent editor on this film. Uh, Cesar Alejandro is credited as producing, directing, starring. Uh, he did the cinematography, the music, and the editing. There's also a second editor involved, uh, so maybe this is him. But that being said, he's also credited as a cinematographer. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any excuse. I, you could say uh, they have these stupid editing notes that are like, oh, boy. Look at this trash they handed me. I'm trying my best here. And it's like, but, but the trash you handed yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so mind-blowing in, in so many different ways. Also, it's weird because I was a little worried at first. I didn't notice this when I chose it. I only noticed it right before I queued it up. Uh, this movie features one Don the Dragon Wilson. Yeah, uh, Arbiter of Quality. The uh, Arbiter of Quality. <laughs> well, he did. He did a lot of like direct to VHS work in the nineties. Uh, sure. A lot, a lot of like Cinemax action type stuff. But he's a name. Like it, it's a guy who I, I know who he is, and I was like, oh no, a person that I know. And it doesn't make a lick of difference. This is just beyond beyond anything. I. I it is completely incomprehensible literally nauseating it will make you physically sick to watch this more more so than the movie that we watched featuring a monster with a butthole for a mouth that speaks in poopy farts that's how nauseating this film is (laughs) uh slightly different sort of nauseating yes yeah i i'm just trying to make a stab at at what the plot of this movie is uh, you got anything? So, so I think that the Scarface fellow, uh, who is just uh, a Hispanic a bad Italian mafia man, um, he is in trouble with the the head of the international mafia or some such thing, as if as if that really exists, but. Um, so he's supposed to sacrifice uh, a blood relative, so he's he's going to kill off his daughter. Um, sure, sure. And independently, there's another uh, organized crime element that is financing this film that's being produced and put instills the mafia man uh instills his wife as the star of this film in order to finance it uh and inadvertently the first group of mafiosos kill the wife of the second group of mafiosos uh instead of the daughter so the wife is killed yeah. instead of the daughter 
And the wife's name, the wife whose name is is what, Myros? Do you remember? Ooh, that's a good question. It's something really fuck. Oh, Blondie, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the blonde, Blondie. Okay. Even and, and even not, though she's, she's not, not blonde, not blonde. No, not blonde. Certainly not blonde. Um, it's a fun, fun little joke there. Little, you know, a little fun because she's not blonde, so it's funny. <laughs> also, I don't think the daughter even has like a line in the film. She's they just like have the camera like jammed on her ass the entire and her, time. And, and her boobs. Yeah. And uh, there's also there's another character too, and I can't I can't remember. There's there's three women in this movie. There's the daughter. And the blonde. Well, there's a couple uh, on the film crew, I think. Right? Yeah, and there's yeah, there, oh yeah, there's a few in the film crew, uh, but outside of the film crews, and then the the other woman is, and I don't know what her role is, but she's in the entire movie, and I don't know what side or even what narrative she's supposed to be a part of, but she's that woman in the blue dress, and it's funny because. You know, people always talk about these film tropes where it's like, oh, and women are reduced, you know, by the male gaze to just their their butts and their and their, you know, boobs. And it kind of segments them and dehumanizes them. And this entire character, you never see her face. The camera's either on her butt or on her boobs. So, oh, yeah, it that's, is, that's, it is uh, the most hyper literal translation of this trope imaginable. Yeah, that's uh, that's Spaghetti's uh, mother. Oh, yeah, uh, Spaghetti. So, Spaghetti is the same actor who plays Scarface, except he's in a. And the guy is, is Pacino age, I'd say. He's, he's in his 60s, I would have to posit. And he also plays uh, Spaghetti, uh, who is the young boy. Who is trying to? What, what does it say here? Uh, he is a young man trying to find his true identity. Ah, oh. uh, wait. Are you are you sure? Are you sure is that Spaghetti is the young man trying to find his true identity, or is that the other handsome hunky male character who's trying to find his wife or his his mother and his sister? Oh, that's a good. It could be. Either. Oh, you see, you see. There's so many twists. You, you just forget. <laughs> I am totally. Anyone uh, who's listening that that to this right <laughs> now, they're like, "What the fuck are they even talking about?" I totally forgot that that. Plot and we are existed. skipping over so much. There is so many different stories going on here for no reason. None. So, so spaghetti is he can tie into the main narrative at least, right? He's yeah. He just he just wants to be in a movie. That's like his lifelong dream as a as a young boy. Yes, a, a child played by a sixty year old who just bounces a soccer ball around, and they put him in the movie because it's his fondest dream or something. Ah, uh, I guess that's really the only role spaghetti plays in the film. Uh, which is. Probably more of a role than the hunky young man plays. Like, what What the hell does this thing have to do with the rest of the <laughs> Well, let me tell you, old Hunkaroo. I know they he, all get kidnapped at the end, but that's about it. Yeah. So, Hunkaroo's dad is some sort of mafia guy with a lot of money. And there's like. Is he another mafia guy, or is he just a, a business? I think he's just like a factory owner. Oh, he's a factory owner. Okay. I thought he owned the factory that the mafia guys were, were in, the oh, shoe factory. Jesus, fuck. How Which, many mafia side guys? Side note, <laughs> every time there's a scene shot at the mafia factory, they, for some reason, they just cut over, they do these quick cuts to people just making shoes, just constantly. Like, there's, oh, here's a line <laughs> of dialogue, somebody banging on a shoe. And how many record scratches are in this? Because that's another thing, too. It's like, oh, cut to a titty. Wicked, wicked, wicked. 
There's a record scratch that actually interrupts a record scratch this is in true. this. I'm going to assume that's an Insanity. error, but it happens. He just sat on the button because he'd been fucking using it for so long because he passed out from all the coke he was snorting to make this insane fucking film. Anyways, so... so- Wait, uh, I guess Hunky Guy's mother ends up being Spaghetti's mother. They're brothers. Yeah, yeah. Hunkalicious is is he's got the same mom as Spaghetti, and Hunkalicious finds his mother so he can get his inheritance from his dead dad, and he has to find his mom in the barrio. So he uses the maid at the hotel where he's banging prostitutes. And then Hunkalicious and the maid fall in love. Oh, see another female character. We're not giving enough credit here. Oh, that's true. My my mistake. And then we forget the other subplot, which is the the Da Vinci Code subplot, which is the two. Uh, let's not call them mafiosos because they're not. They're they're more of no. A, they're more they're of like a domestic criminals. Uh, they're characters that were written out of half baked. That's pretty much it like sure. they, they're just classic stoner comedy guys I, and then I also an are, indian chief right yeah I'd, I'd say they're they're criminals as well this is another group of criminals who are employing uh an indian chief to try and find the da Vinci code uh again this appears to be happening in a warehouse that is empty except for a, a cocaine or weed or whatever comedy props they want to use um yeah that also ties in with the main plot like in no way they just kidnap everyone and put them in a house at the end and act like that's gonna make it work (laughs) um it doesn't (laughs) i get i that doesn't work for you well, I guess the the criminals in the end. I mean, unfortunately, the Native American dies from an overdose, uh, but the other two fellows find their way out of the film set for some reason, and then they they decide that the Da Vinci Code is is the script to the movie. Which fuck, what a joke! That's hilarious. Uh so I don't know. I guess that. They must rule the barrio. Then I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. So I mean, basically, what we're saying is it's eight and a half mixed with Amores Peros, right? Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> it is, and and of course, you know, a lot of this stuff kind of falls by the wayside because it's so insane and manic and incomprehensible and poorly edited. That you start to forget the little things, too. But rest assured, it looks like shit. The acting's terrible. Uh, It's got the classic, we're a film featured on caustic contents, and we haven't figured out how to mix dialogue and music so that, you know, one isn't blaring over the other. This Uh, is true. (laughs) And then it it seems to degrade in quality. And, And this is, maybe my body just got used to the editing, but it seems like the editing calms down a little bit. Uh, towards the last third of the film but as the editing calms down the mistakes sort of ramp up so all of a sudden the music will abruptly cut out for no reason and then come back in Uh, there are parts where you can clearly hear like a microphone just muffling Uh, there's a fucking bird that just squeaks throughout several scenes (laughs) that are shot at the mansion that no one thought was a big deal and 
while a lot of the dialogue is clear in the sense that you don't get a ton of background noise, I, I think where when, whenever they shot the scenes at the mansion, that is the exact point where they ran out of money. Because there's... Oh, boy. It's like they're shooting with the fucking microphone attached to their DV cam. It is horrific. And not a lot of money for props in this one, either. You may notice that... At the end, the documentary film crew, while everybody is tied up in this mansion to sort out this Da Pinci Code nonsense, uh, they're they're like watching everything like it's a movie, you know, really meta here. So they're eating popcorn and soda. And just in case you don't know what popcorn and soda looks like, there's like these like white bags full of popcorn and they wrote popcorn on them in magic marker or Sharpie or whatever. And uh, then the soda says soda on it in Sharpie. So that's that's real great. So just horrible all around. Uh, wait, wait, why? Why did everyone get kidnapped? Now I, I don't even. Why? I why, think, why did that happen? I'm not sure how they all got there, but at some point, uh, the, the the mafiosos in the that are actually filming the movie, and uh, they they find out that. Fake Scarface is the one who killed Blondie, so they go after them, and somehow Spaghetti gets mixed up in it, and uh, Mr. Handsome gets mixed up in it, and they all just sort of come together and get tied up. I don't know how the stoners get there, though. Perhaps their shaman led them Oh, well, no, because they're in the film crew at that point. Oh, yeah, that's right. The whole film crew, I don't know why, some reasons. There's reasons, man. There's reasons going on. Thank God you got Don the Dragon Wilson to save the day, huh? Yeah, he's really exerting himself here. <laughs> Put on his I Sunday don't... best t-shirt and jeans and just kind of like <laughs> walked around muttering for a few days. Fuck, man. Don the Dragon needs some work. Can we get him some work? Start a GoFundMe for this guy. Holy cow. Like this, Literally the greatest kickboxer of all time. He is, he is the Muhammad Ali of kickboxing, Myros. No one uh, would dispute that. Well, there's not a lot of market for kickboxing movies these days. You think you think he would have at least gotten a, a role in the movie Kickboxer or any of the sequels? I think there's like six sequels to Kickboxer, but no. Is that that's, the one with the Cody we live from in. Step by Step? Or is that... That is the, yeah, that's the original. Has Cody from Step by Step. That's correct. Ah. My favorite action hero, Cody. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was Kickboxer or Best of the Best, because who could tell the difference? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. So I guess my question to you is, is there a single redeeming quality in this film? Is there anything positive that we can say about it other than I've never seen anything like this before? Uh, well, spaghetti's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's what you got? Yeah, that guy's pretty <laughs> handsome. He's a handsome hunk. The, the the hunk is hunky. He's pretty hunky. Hunk confirmed. Uh, all right, well, let's... That's about like, all we, I got. This movie is fucking... It seems like it was made by a degenerate madman. I don't... Yeah. And if you look at his resume, he's got one, which, which is baffling to me. It, this feels oh, yeah. like one of those movies that's been... 
filmed for the last two decades and edited together by a complete lunatic who works as a real estate agent or something. It, yeah, I, I feel like this this has a real other side of the wind feel to it. You know, it's just kind of cobbled together from pieces. <laughs> yeah, I, I was saying earlier before we started recording that this almost felt like it violated the Godfrey Ho rule because this – this it feels a lot like a Godfrey Home movie where it's just like six movies cobbled together. But somehow, even though this is meant to be a single film, it feels much more disjointed than than the Godfrey Home film that we watched. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. There's. Oh boy. There's a lot going on here, man. Lot. Lot going on. I, I looked into the director, too, because I was curious about this guy. <clears throat> and my thought was, first-time filmmaker, straight out of film school, young guy. But like you said, this is a this is a real person who has done real things. Not real things that you or I have watched, but he's worked with actual actors and, and people. Uh, first of all, I have to say, if you look him up on IMDb, he's got quite a look to him. Uh, he looks like Udo Kier fucked Tom Lennon. And but like, you know, vaguely Latino at the same time. So that's something. And if you look at his movies, holy cow, he's done uh, he's done a movie with a personal favorite of yours, Chris Penn. Now you're a big yeah. Chris Penn fan. Uh, he's the best. R.I.P. Man. Yeah. On top of that, he's also done a movie with uh, Tony Plana who you may remember from the movie Three Amigos, where he played Hefe. Uh, he was also in the TV series Ugly Betty. So this is a guy who he's, he's consistently getting work throughout the years. <laughs> he's, he's a pretty, like, I don't think he's had an off year, man, and he's been on big shows. Like if, you look at, if you look at his resume, it's, it's all the big shows in the past 10 years or so, uh, not to mention all the movies that he's done. So... Uh, these are real people that he's working with, and somehow he made this. So that's weird to me. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't understand anything. No, this movie is. I don't think it, you could possibly understand it. It is. Uh, I, I again, I struggle to describe what what we've done here. This is. It's not the worst thing we've watched. I guess it's too insanely interesting to be the worst thing that we watch. But uh, God, it's fucking awful. And it again, it it just does not feel like a human could have made this thing. And yet, uh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive. I I I don't even know what to say, other than yeah. Watch fifteen minutes of this shit. That's all you need. Try not to throw up. That's it's a good way to live your life. All right. Well, I, I guess with that we should probably move on to your selection. And while I went for butts and the Da Vinci Code, and I only got one of those things really. You decide to go the art film route with a little movie called Antlers of Reason. Yes, and it's called Antlers of Reason because, I don't know. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one to talk about because, uh, I don't know, pretty much sums up this entire movie. I think maybe it's too smart for us. <laughs> yeah, is that it? 
It's got to be it. We're just we're just two big dummies, man. Sitting around just not understanding shit. If only we were on the same level as writer director uh, Walpalo Simos, then maybe just maybe we'd get there. But our IQs are too low. That's the problem. <sighs> uh, I I feel like my IQ must be too low for this because I, I couldn't decipher a single damn thing out of it. Now, I, I'm going to tell you what I got out of it, and then I'm going to read you like a little synopsis, and we'll see if we can come together on something here. So what I got out of it is there's a lady that walks around for the first third of the movie and nothing happens, and then there's a lot of, lot of fucking on the Internet. A lot of people watching snuff, and by people, I mean just the lady. Well, no one actually watches snuff. I mean, they just inappropriately use the word snuff. Yeah, it's but it's, yeah, so they watch some sort of amateur pornography on on the internet on a Windows 10 laptop. That was actually the only emotional reaction I got is when <laughs> there's this cut to her computer screen and it just shows like the full boot sequence for Windows 10. <laughs> was, I laughed really hard at that because it seemed like a weird thing. Also, I don't think Windows would want to be associated with this. So there's fucking on the computer and then the lady fucks and then sometimes she falls asleep and she has dreams about fucking. And then there's a guy who kind of looks like a little devil or a pan or something. And he's got antlers, the titular antlers. And he fucks, I think. And then at some point, some guy gets hit in the head and is killed, but they still fuck. And then there's some fucking. And uh, then that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I mean, I think she only... Uh, there's no fucking at the end, I'll say that. I don't know if the guy's meant to be dead or what, but they just got to canoodle. Whether she's canoodling yeah. with a corpse or... Or with a, a guy, and it's all a grand metaphor. It's not not exactly clear. Um, shockingly, there's so much in this movie that is crystal clear. So that one element really stuck out to me. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the fuck this movie is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was that description again? I'm going to need this uh, synopsis. Oh. Maybe it'll help us decipher what the fuck happened here. Uh, okay, here we go. The transgressive behavior of a caseworker begins to connect to the mysterious disappearance of her mother with the sexual attraction she develops with a client. Okay. Now, prior to having read that, could you have told me what this person's employment was or even if they were employed? No, they just walk around and then mumble pretentious nonsense. Like, this this entire thing feels like I don't know, like 2007 and someone you went to high school with that still shops at Hot Topic and fucking sells weed when they're not working the day shift at KFC and they write their fucking angsty-ass poetry. That's what this entire movie is. It's just that angst poetry come to life. And it, it does come to life because there's all kinds of, like, text overlays. Not a lot of dialogue in this one where it's just like, the moonbeams illuminate my soul. Me, a lover, you, distant, what hence wroth this? Like, just, in, <laughs> like, none of these words make sense. There's, there's no, there's no connecting the dots here. It's just gobbledygook. It's fucking eighth grade angst poetry by some dipshit. 
And then not only does that overlay all these scenes of her just walking around, but then at some point she sits down in her kitchen. By the way, too, I got to say, there's at least like three scenes in this movie where she just walks into her kitchen, opens the fridge, and then drinks directly from a small milk carton, which is vile. I don't know why you do that. (laughs) My God. My bowels hurt just thinking about that. I swear this movie is actually just like... Of the, a day in the life of a depressed person or something. She, the, the whole movie's just fucking her surfing the web, watching porn, and uh, maybe she pops out to like live journal or something, to doodle some poetry out there. Some That's exactly garbage. what this is. That is exactly what this is. This is live journal poetry. The film. It's just if you're depressed and you're you're doing nothing, you're just sitting yeah. in front of a screen, jerking off, uh, writing some jerk off stuff. Uh, Slamming milk out of directly from a carton, fucking that's, sprawling that's, out, that's out where on the, the self hatred comes in, yeah. And uh, yeah. so, but yeah, and then there's this one scene where the the poetry is no longer just overlaid or internal monologue or whatever. It she like looks directly at the camera, and you have this monologue where she just spouts nonsense for a solid two minutes, and then there's more fucking, and that's about it. Yeah, that's when the Satan guy shows up or something. Oh yeah. Satan satanic and- incantations to get the, the titular reasonable antler man. <laughs> uh. I think he's the only character I identify with because, you know, all she's doing is fucking a drink and milk and, and reasonable antler man shows up in the corner to get spooky and he spooks her and then she kind of snaps out of it for a bit. So shout out to the reasonable antler man. So when uh, his actual like appearance is in a flashback, yes? Reasonable Antler Man? Yeah. Yeah, I think He, like, so. fucks her mother, and then she disappears. The end. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I, you can infer that much. I'm not that stupid, but... Uh, uh, there's just not anything here. Like, nope. it, it's ugly again, as is everything. I mean, it it makes a lot of strange stylistic choices. Oh, yeah, to say the least. I actually picked this film based on its trailer, which was unfortunately misleading. I thought it was going to be even worse than it ended up being. As it is, it's no. just kind of <laughs> fucking wallpaper. It but, was just it was just the first minute of the movie, basically. Right, which is this fucking, like, trash Photoshop filter over still images with, like, instead of dialogue, there are speech bubbles filled with comic sense <laughs> as a slideshow plays. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Oh, boy. Unfortunately, that only lasts like a minute. But uh, after that, it's just kind of like digital post-produced, like not great black and white photography. But it's still, yeah. I mean, compared to what we usually watch, the photography looks splendid, I guess. So, <laughs> Sure, sure. Uh, I, I think when I was texting you as I was watching this movie, I said it was uh, it's like smooth brain Tarkovsky shot it basically uh, slow and plotting uh, and, and shots are composed. But good Lord, they look like shit. So much of this film is just out of focus and blurry. Uh, there's this weird filter that sort of simulates damaging or scratching film. Yeah, but that's the same thing they used on in the open. Yeah, yeah. So it's but it's and it's used lightly, 
So it doesn't have, like, the effect is it just looks like something's wrong. It doesn't add to the movie or, or the emotion or the, or the cinematography or anything. It's just, it's just like, oh, God, what's wrong? And that's in conjunction with a lot of the movie being out of focus. And a lot of the film's visual flaws are actually hidden by this high-contrast black-and-white look. But, God, it, at least I will say... It does look better than a lot of things that we've watched, and clearly shots were thought out and composed. It's just at the end of the day, it looks like shit, you know? You can't really, you only shine a turd so much, and even if you do, it's a turd's still a turd, man. Yeah, see, you, you gave Cesar Alejandro enough credit to say that he went to film school. I would not have thought that under any circumstance, having watched Da Pinci Code. I said, this is no way made by someone who went to film school. But uh, Antlers of Reason is made by someone who went to film school, probably went to film school for too long, probably as a PhD in film. Uh, but you still have to have a script. This movie's so actively disinterested in narrative, and it's not good enough to pull that off by a long shot. Yeah, there's this this guy. I think he thinks he's David Lynch or something. Like he thinks he just made Lost Highway or I don't know, like episode eight of Twin Peaks: The Return. I, I think that's what he thinks he's making. He's not. He's not making that. That's that's not what's going on here. <laughs> it's there's absolutely nothing for me to hold on to with this film. Uh well, yeah, he had cited uh, the Beast which we've previously done a podcast on, I believe, Jake and Jack. Uh, way back when, they did uh, a podcast on that particular film, uh, Yasny. You could look that up if you're so inclined. Yeah, you ain't but, seen nothing yet. Look it up, The Beast. Right. So and, he, the director cited that as his, his uh, inspiration for this particular film. I have not had the no. pleasure, but something tells me it does not match up. What? No, it, it doesn't. I mean... I guess there's there's a lot of sex in the beast and it's got beast penis and it's shocking but I mean to compare the beast to you know reasonable antler man and what goes on there it's it's not it's night and day man plus the beast is like yeah it's abstract but it's also clearly informed by beauty and the beast a story that everyone knows so there's something for you to hit your wagon to <laughs> whereas this is just meandering nonsense there's nothing going on here yeah, there are, like, what percentage of this film is her watching porn on a laptop? 80%? That's That may well be true. And then you've got another 10% carved out for her, for her getting a shiatsu massage. Yeah, and the other 10% uh, is just walking around. A stream. Yeah, there's a stream. You know, and, and I'm seeing a lot of similarities here, Myros, to another Adam Myros pick in the Caustic Content canon. The Triple C, as we call it. This is very similar to Blood Dynasty in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it's better in some ways and worse than others. I mean, yeah, it's... The soundtrack a, it's a, does, isn't a banger. I'll say that. It's not a banger, but it's not bad. It, it's, again, it's yeah. it, it's crafted. This this is a movie that I really hate. I think it's terrible. It, it's boring as could possibly be, but it's crafted. It's a movie that effort went into... <laughs> In every respect, honestly, and sure, and, and it's it's another thing too where 
uh, kind of like Blood Dynasty, where if this was uh, a 15 minute short, maybe that's a little too much time. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. But at least it would let him get through his little loop and let him have some extended wandering sequences and some of his live journal Comic Sans poetry. If this was a 15-minute short, you know, I, I think it would win the top prize at the Billings, Montana Film Festival. But it's not. It's a full-length feature film made by a pretentious fuck who only takes pictures in sunglasses and uh, writes lengthy film blogs about garbage. This guy, you know, if I, I would sit down and have a drink with Cesar Alejandro, he seems like he could have some interesting stories. Yeah, it's uh, probably he certain- fun enough, right? Oh, yeah. You probably bring a shit ton of cocaine, too. <laughs> Whereas Antlers of Reason, man, uh, while Paulo Simos, which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing his name properly, and I'm sorry, uh, while Paulo, but I, I don't want to be within 50 feet of this motherfucker. Like, he just seems insufferable. And the fact that he's insufferable bleeds through into this movie, and it's just, it's repellent. And I actually came across a blog post that he wrote about Antlers of Reason. And this really drives home my point. Uh, he's talking about the, the concept of censorship. And he goes through all these movies that have been censored and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he starts to talk about his 2006 feature film, Antlers of Region, Reason. And he compares himself with uh, Carlino, Kubrick, and Peckinpah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with no on all of those things. And then he goes on to talk about how when he finished Antlers of Reason because of his uh, cool punk rock ethos, he released the movie online for free on YouTube, which was still in its infancy at the time. And uh, this promotion, he says, was coordinated by a Dutch agent and that he had. And what ended up happening was is... Uh, this Dutch agent of his had to shield him against the attacks of a vast number of offended viewers. So apparently people watched his movies and hated him so much that they sent him emails and that it was all because of these evangelical Christians and that's why movies are bad and why people don't understand Antlers of Reason is because we're all uh, Bible-thumping Christians. I don't think this gentleman spent much time on YouTube. I, that's that's oh. the response to every single video that's been posted there in the last 10 years. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about how much he hates Lars von Trier, which say say what you will about Lars von Trier, but basically his thing boils down to like, oh, why, are there, why is there a beach and nymphomaniac and they get away with that? And why was uh, Antichrist, which sucks, uh, why was that released uncut? And blah, but I get in trouble. But has his who's censoring him? Yeah, no one. Because no one's watching his shit. No right. one is censoring this man. It's not like he took Absolutely it to fucking no Warner one. Brothers and they're like, "Well, you better take this out to get an R rating." No, that's not fucking occurring, friend. You're not. <laughs> you're releasing this yourself. You don't have to censor. Release what you want to release, and you have. Uh, I don't think this film was censored by any stretch. I mean. Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's kind of tactful uh, for the most part in, in its nudity, uh, but I think that's a, a choice. I don't think that was something that was forced upon him. Yeah, I just I, I can't deal with this guy. I will tell you though, 
He's got a film coming out. I don't think it's been released yet, but I, I hope we get a hold of it soon. He's working on a feature-length horror project. It's called Streaming. He describes it as a, quote, epic feature-length horror project being developed for release in 2016. Uh Uh-oh, didn't make that window, I don't think. Uh, He says it is an extreme ode to the spiritual death of voyeurism. It's a kaleidoscope, futuristic, and multi-stranded film that encompasses all of the above concerns and more. Yet, to make it current, it needs to be brutal, horrific, and explicit. All ingredients to which we've been desensitized. You know, I, I get the sense if I popped on this movie streaming. What? By the way, <laughs> its IMDb page uh, has its listed runtime as two hours and fifty-four minutes. Uh, For streaming? Yes, yes, that's correct. Unfortunately, that was not streaming. I would have chosen it in a heartbeat and fucking ruined your life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I've actually would have given in and just given you victory. <laughs> but uh, I get the sense that why is it streaming? Streaming? <laughs> I I, I want, something tells me it's just not. It doesn't exist. So why it has a runtime <laughs> beyond me? Um, if if we sat down and watched this movie, I I don't care what the plot synopsis says. It is. My guess would be that it would be Antlers of Reason. Yeah. I, I get the sense that this is the only thing this guy is capable of making. Yeah. Uh, this same self-important nonsense that, that no one could get anything out of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I would agree with that. Well, if if you – my suspicion being that he – every single film in his, uh, his oeuvre would be – Reasonably called uh, a, a sequel or, or I guess it, it predates Antlers of Reason. They could probably all be in the Antlers of Reason series, but uh, in fact, there are only three films in, in the Antlers of Reason series, which is oh, uh, what a, a, thing, shame. a thing that exists, by the way. There are <laughs> the yeah. Antlers of Reason cinematic universe? He, he created a film, a short film in 2018 called Morning Interim, which is. Uh, an AKA Antlers of Reason Two, and he Ooh. also is is finishing post production on a film called Nether Edge Temptress, which is also known as Antlers of Reason Three. God, thank God! You think you think we'll watch those and everything will start to make sense? Uh, well, the short I was I, I actually looked to see if it was out of Amazon just because I'm like, eh, I'll do a little extra research. Maybe Antlers of Reason is only like. 75 minutes long or something. I was like, yeah, let's see. Maybe I'll watch this and see if it makes sense of it. It surely won't, but why not? <laughs> but sure. uh, no, it's not streaming, unfortunately. Ah, oh, boo. Well, I just hope streaming starts streaming soon so I can stream it. I my, will my say, though. My question would be, like, if, if a film by Jao Paulo Simoas is not streaming, where is it? I, I couldn't even tell. YouTube, if, maybe? Uh, maybe. I, I wonder where one would find such a thing if it's not on Amazon. Like it's, I, wonder, I wonder what would come up if you just type streaming into YouTube. I'm certainly <laughs> just that film. Nothing else. Uh, we brought just some Fortnite action. Yeah, just a little Fortnite. Uh, you know, and, and one thing I will say that I, that makes me very disappointed, too, and while uh, and Jao Paulo Simos... 
you know, Mr. Artsy Fartsy, Mr. Black and White, Mr. I, I Wear My Sunglasses at Night, Corey Hart, uh, total fucking normie on Twitter. All he does is post LinkedIn links. Who does that? Fucking normies. Unacceptable. Uh, yeah, I could pass on that. Yeah, he, this guy made the he made the Antler Man fuck movie, and he's dropping LinkedIn links. Not edgy <laughs> enough. Not artsy enough. Sorry. Um, I most of his tweets are. I, I mean, I'm no Twitterman. I don't know how to decipher such things, but his, the bulk of his tweets appear to to be gibberish. Uh, yeah, that's just like his films. <laughs> just random sentences. <laughs> I don't know what these things are. Yeah. Pretty great stuff. Uh, is he any better on Facebook? I mean, that's probably he speaks to his normie crowd more over there. Maybe. I don't know. Hard to say. What? The uh, link is not. Uh, I tried to follow through one of these thousands of links he has to Facebook, but it, it doesn't seem to to work. No, Let's maybe see the most it. recent. Let's get the most recent. Uh, nope. Content is not available. Nothing, man. He's uh, He's logged off. He's sick of this shit. Log it off, baby. His blog, well, his, his blog, capturafilmes.blogspot.com, has also been removed. Maybe maybe knows that we're on to him. What's happened to old Joe Paulo? Maybe the Antler I Man know. got him. It's entirely possible. Yeah, Antler Man probably fucked him. Now, you know, and, and this, this is sad, too, because he's going to be, he's, he's deleting his presence from the Internet. And think of all the fans he's going to get from Caustic Content after our glowing review of his work. Really a shame. Uh, that is, yeah. Apparently, okay, okay. The, so his his Patreon is still active. I was wondering if this was, it, this is uh, linked on his LinkedIn profile. Um, I wasn't sure if it was actually his. He's not listed anywhere on the site, but it's called the Vault All of right. Alternative Cinema, which I have decided must be him, considering he's, his goal is to reach $1,000 per month. In order to begin production of episodes seven and eight of Morning Interim, which is listed oh. here as a web series, uh, so there is uh, an Antlers of Reason series. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, why don't you read out that Patreon for our, our, our listeners? So if they want to support uh, Juan Pablo Salbello, uh, they can they can do that. Uh, that is Patreon dot com slash a l t c i n e. V A U L T. That'll that'll take you there, folks. Uh, that'll do it. Drop drop your hard earned dollars. This or, is the vault of alternative cinema. You know he's yeah. he's currently making one hundred fifty dollars a month. That's 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 not too that's shabby. pretty big. Yes, yeah, not too shabby. Better than we're doing. That's thank sure. you. Uh, just Man. one of uh, every direction we've covered that is actually more successful than we are. So. <laughs> John Paul Simon really showing us up. All right, well. I, I think at this point we can kind of wrap things up and, uh, you know, get get to the, the voting process. Uh, so, Myros, first of all, how are we going to rate these films? Let's let's start with Cesar Alejandro's Da Pinci Code. Is this an atrocity or a curiosity? That's that's harder than you might think. I... Yeah, this this is the first time I've been challenged on this. And, and let me let me give you my feelings and we'll see how you weigh in. Sure. I feel that this is an absolute atrocity in every way, shape, and form. And, and in fact, in many ways, it transcends other atrocities that we've watched. But it's so atrocious that, like 
The Spy Who Boned Us, the last film to make me question our own rating system, I feel that it is an atrocity where if you if you want to truly feel pain, if you're the guy who finds the Hellraiser puzzle box and you're like, I got to open this up so some Cenobites can fuck my shit up. If that's you, then this could be a curiosity. But for the everyman, this is about as atrocious as it gets. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, counterintuitively, I am, I'm going to agree and call this a curiosity. Uh, it, it's both, to be honest. <laughs> but, but we're going to go curiosity on this, which might make, make you think I'm leaning towards uh, patting myself on the back. But uh, that's really not the case. Um, Antlers of Reason, I, I don't even know if we need to discuss that. It's an atrocity. There's, there's nothing to stimulate the curiosity centers in the brain on that one. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, yeah, there's Antlers of Reason is an absolute atrocity. It's just art school jerk-off movie it's it's pretentious it's completely self-absorbed if it has anything to say what it's saying is muddled now is it a more competent film in a lot of ways than da pinci code oh absolutely without question god it may be the most competent film we've even watched in the course of this entire endeavor yep i would agree with that as well but at the same time it's horribly boring this is like if if you went on a tinder date with a guy and he insisted on picking the restaurant and then ordering for you and then just talked about, like, the films of Matthew Barney for three hours, uh, then that's what this movie is. So I guess if you're into that, go for it. <laughs> I don't think you are, though. So, yeah, I, I really, they're both atrocious. But for me, just the, the, the act of making me physically sick was enough in addition to the most Looney Tunes fucking narrative I have ever experienced in my life, uh, this, if I had not seen The Spy Who Boned Us, I, I might actually make make an argument for this being the worst thing I've ever seen, or at least one of the worst things, like a top three. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to give my vote to my own choice, Da Pinci Code. Myros, how you voting this week? You know, I, I don't think I could... Agree with you that Da Pinci Code is is one of the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, it's probably the worst made thing I've ever seen. But that doesn't necessarily translate to being the worst film. It's not boring. Uh, It's it's just so fucking screwed that it it becomes fascinating to watch to an extent. But I mean, maybe if you split it over like a month so you didn't get the, the motion sickness, then you'd have real joy, <laughs> yeah. joy with it. But uh, that being you, you said... You get three minutes a day. That's it. Yeah. That being said, uh, I agree. I'm going to have to go with you on this one. I think uh, Antlers of Reason, uh, it's not good. I would recommend that no one ever watch it, but uh, it's it's not bad enough to to offend either. It's just, even though maybe that's its intent, it wants to, it wants to be offensive. It wants to be challenging, but it, it's really not. It's just fucking wallpaper. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's not, it's not even, it's neither good enough nor bad enough. And thereby you win. All right. Jack so another one up for me. 
This being episode eight, I believe that brings us back to uh, even. I think we are three and three with with two draws. Three and three with two draws. Not too bad. Not too bad. You guys are going to have to bring out the big guns for next week. Myros, while I gloat for the next week and pat myself on the back for finding this pile of shit, uh, what are you going to have me watch? God, I keep getting burned by these art films. Uh, you do. You do. <laughs> Mr. Artsy Fartsy. They're not bad enough. Yeah, I, I keep expecting them to be worse than they are. Uh, but so far, they've just been. There's been aspects of them that are just too, too good, competent. I don't like it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick something that has no chance in hell of being competent. Uh, so I'm going to go with a little film called Cracker Jacked. Ooh, Cracker Jack. Nice choice. Nice choice. I actually have a couple of friends that have seen that one. And they can assure me that it's incredibly incompetent. So, good choice. Um, I, I was looking forward to it. I actually almost put it on my list, but you, you sniped it before I could. So, I'm looking forward to that one. Now, Myros, I know I know you've, you've got a, a little burned out on the art films. Sure, sure. But me, I think I'm going to go a little artsy this week. Just to prove to you that an art film can win around in caustic content. So... Tell me, Myros, what are your thoughts on the film Waking Life? Oh, boy. Uh, it's it's problematic. I'll say that. <laughs> not, not, not an enjoyable movie, is it? No, well, it is not. Myros, I'm going to subject you to a little indie film that caught my eye because of the weird rotoscope effect that seems to have been layered on top of it but in a clear like i just found this filter in final cut pro and have decided to use it kind of way yeah i was gonna say is it rotoscoping kind of prohibitively labor intensive uh, and expensive yeah, you you would think but not not the way they do it baby so you're gonna be watching a little movie called the remedy now there's a lot of movies called remedy or the remedy that have been released but you'll know this one when you see it i'm very excited very excited about this one for you. Uh, it is a movie that seems to be a a like stoner comedy, but it's one of those like philosophical stoner movies where they there's like one Republican stoner and and one liberal stoner, and they get high and then they like figure out how to solve all the world's problems by meeting in the middle. They all meet up at John McCain's funeral. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yes, they all meet. And they meet up at John McCain's funeral. <laughs> oh god, Jesus! Uh, yeah. So that's what you're going to be watching the remedy, and based again on on me knowing you for so many years and knowing what your anger triggers are, I think this one's going to send you through the fucking roof. Well, that's good, because I'm pretty sure mine's going to be some real bottom tier, so we, we, we'll probably at least have something to talk about next week, which beats yeah. this fucking slate. <laughs> you bet, man, you bet. All right, well, that about wraps things up for us, I think. So, uh, Myros, I would say, where can people find you on the internet, except they can't. You're just, you're just not on there. You're not on the Twitter, you're not on the Facebook, you're not anywhere. But if they have any questions for you, they can email us directly, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. That's optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, if you are JPS, 
maker of Antlers of Reason, or if you are Cesar Alejandro and you want to shoot us an email, that'd be great too. Or you can find us on Twitter at Optimism Vaccine. That's at Optimism Vaccine. Or you can find me on Twitter at Steve Cuff. Cuff spelled C-U-F-F. Although I went to the dry cleaners the other day to drop off a suit, and they spelled my name T-U-F-F, which Whoa. I might adopt that. <laughs> I felt really cool. Uh, yeah. You see, João Paulo is... He's he's seen the light. He's joining me in the offline world. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. He's, he's starting to delete all of his social media. Thank you for your service. All right. Uh, yeah. So that that's about it for us, and we will see you next week. Bye.